In the absence of Pastor Archie, our scripture reading and text has changed. Our text today comes from Psalm 86. We're going to focus on the first 12 or 13 verses. So hear the word of God. Hear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am devoted to you. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. In the day of my trouble, I will call to you, for you will answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you, O Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord, and they will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. This ends the reading of God's word. Psalm 86, a Psalm of David. A portion of this Psalm was a verse that really struck me many, many years ago, probably back before many of you were born in the 1970s, and reading through the Bible for my first time from cover to cover, I came across this psalm. And verse 11 just stood out to me for some reason, just that one little portion of this prayer of David. I spent several days on that, just meditating one word at a time on Psalm 11, word, word for word, and it stuck with me ever since. And that's, that little brief verse of this psalm has become my life's prayer that I pray regularly, sometimes before reading God's Word, or just during the day, or uh, just needing some guidance. And so I want to focus on this, uh, this brief portion of David's prayer in Psalm 86, verse 11. We see here something about David. As we've read through this, this uh, portion of this psalm this evening, we see that David had a close walk with God, a close relationship with God, yet he had a hunger in him to know God better, to learn even more of God, to know him, not just to know about him, but to know him. These first few words of it, teach me thy way, O Lord. I want you to think of a time when uh, you desperately needed some, some direction, some instruction. Uh, you needed to do something properly, maybe assembling a piece of furniture, a story on that in a moment, or maybe repairing something. It became more difficult than you ever thought it was. It should be more time-consuming, uh, more complicated, and you look for directions and you can't find any or perhaps can't understand them. Okay, my furniture story, okay? Uh, as my second granddaughter was born, a little, little sweet girl, we went, they, they were in Maryland, we went down to the huge Ikea store. Big old, huge, gigantic place. It's, 
I don't know that I want to go back there, but it was impressive. They have a restaurant in there, inside the store that's bigger than most restaurants in Greenwood. Well, we picked out this nice dresser, pretty dresser. Okay, we were going to buy that, take it back. So we go and pay for it, take them the number, pay for it. We go around to the loading dock to get it, and there sits a stack of flat cardboard boxes sitting there. Okay, that's our order. So we put them in the van and we head back up to the house. So we get them upstairs to the third story where the nursery was. They live in a townhouse, okay. Uh, and I open boxes and start taking out flat white pieces of sort of wood. And all these little black attachments, screws and bolts and attachments and things. And I look around and, oh, good, here are the instructions. Open it up, not a word, not a word. Nothing but pictures, little ink drawings of all these tiny parts. Now, okay, that's fine because it, it showed you step by step what to do. The problem is some of these little tiny parts look just like other little tiny parts, but just a slight change in dimensions, you know. To make this long story even longer, uh, shorter, um, I spent most of the afternoon, that door shut, forbidding anybody to come near me, and worked on that, put it together, took it apart, put it together again, took it apart two or three times because I used the wrong connection in the wrong place. Frustration for not having clear instructions. Apparently made for illiterate people because there was no writing in there, but I'm not smart enough to figure that out. Uh, if you're a man, you've been told many times by your wife, read the directions, and you have probably ignored her. Well, that is one option. You can always look for the directions and read them, or nowadays, all you have to do is go to YouTube. You can find a video that shows you step-by-step -step how to put something together or take it apart, repair it, or whatever. Or you can do as most men do and try to figure it out by yourself. Trial and error, which I ended up doing with this piece of Ikea furniture. By the way, it finally did turn out okay. So keep trying to figure it out yourself. That is the male, the male ego uh, procedure. But okay, enough about that. But how about if there's a moral dilemma? Something that's just less cut and dried rather than assembling or repairing something that's uh, some situation, maybe uh, an immediate situation, maybe some long-term thing that you really do need some guidance on. So where do, you, where do we turn? Oprah, maybe? Or a self-help book? Not a whole lot of YouTube videos out there on uh, moral guidance, but David, the psalmist, way back before YouTube, before Oprah was born even, back before self-help books, David knew where to go. Because of those first few verses we read, the close relationship he had with the Father. And so David goes to the Lord, and he prays, Teach me, teach me your way, O Lord. Use the covenant name of God, the Yahweh name. Teach me, O Yahweh. I will walk in your truth. Teach me your way, and I will walk in your truth. And so... We see about David here that he had a hunger in him to know God better, even though he was described as a man after God's own heart. We know he had moral failings on occasion, but uh, he was a man who loved the Lord, but yet had a hunger to know him and to know him better. Listen again to verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name.
this was his prayer to God for guidance. David approached God with a hunger, a desperation to learn. He was teachable. Now, about being teachable. Have you ever known somebody that's just not teachable? Okay, I have a puppy that I think is probably unteachable. We're working on that. But anyway, uh, at some stage of life, you might think, well, these kids are just unteachable. I have had some brief experience with unteachable people. Um, some years ago, I was asked to fill in and teach a course at Piedmont Tech to horticulture students. It's just a basic botany course, kind of a simplified course in botany. I went there with some excitement. You know, this is going to be fun. Going there, there are about 12, 15 students in there. It quickly became apparent that a majority of them were not at all interested. Uh, it turns out most of them were there because they were being paid to be there. Someone else paid their tuition. They were part of some program uh, that was paying for them to get some education. And rather than be out in the workplace uh, earning a living, they were sitting in an air-conditioned classroom listening to me drone on. Uh, some in the class were engaged. They wanted to be uh, in a career in horticulture. The rest of them, eh, not so much. Trying to teach someone unteachable can be very frustrating. Any school teacher that's listening right now, you, you know about that. There's plenty of reasons people are un, unteachable. Sometimes uh, they don't have the mental capacity to learn, perhaps, or not the intellect, or maybe they're not... Uh, at a high enough level to understand what's going on, such as when I took calculus way back. Uh, but sometimes people just don't care, not motivated to learn. None of those was David's problem, okay? He was teachable, he wanted to learn. So as we pray this prayer, teach me your way, are we sincerely, humbly approaching the covenant of God saying, Lord, I really want to know you better. I want to know about you. I want to know you. I want to know how you want me to live. I want to know uh, how my life should be ordered. 2 Corinthians 3. This is not a new problem. 2 Corinthians 3. Paul was talking about back when Moses would go in the tabernacle and he would meet with God face to face. He would come out and his face glowed so much that he put a veil over his face. Because the people of Israel just could not stand to see God's glory reflected in his face. So Paul had been talking about that. And then he said this. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. This speaks of another kind of being unteachable, spiritual blindness. Those who are not in the Lord will find it so difficult to understand the things of God because Christ takes away the veil. It keeps people from understanding the gospel. Pray that any veil over your eyes will be removed, your spiritual eyes, so that you will see and understand the truth. So we see a David who was willing, who was hungry, and who was able to learn God's will and to apply it. But we also see something else about David here. We see a humility as he addressed God. You know, he comes to God, speaking God's covenant name, speaking to Yahweh. We see a humility there because he says, I will walk in your truth. 
I am going to submit myself to your truth. I am going to make your truth the guide to my life. My lifestyle will come from your truth. He's making that commitment. Now, sometimes, and I sometimes have to take minutes for a meeting, uh, sometimes we'll enter in the minutes. Received as information, which means, okay, we heard this, we're not going to do anything about it. No action was taken, no action was needed, whatever. When it comes to God's Word, do we subconsciously say, okay, received as information. We heard it, all right, fine, uh, maybe I'll remember it, it might be handy sometime. Perhaps you've known of people who are really scholars in God's Word, who know the Bible, you know, backwards and frontward, but who don't profess at all to be a Christian. Or maybe some who do profess to be a Christian are, are genuine Bible scholars, but the lifestyle is not that of one who has been born again in Christ. Certainly there are scholars, Bible scholars, among other religions who for academic reasons have studied and, and know much about the Bible. But it's not just knowing the facts of the Bible. It's knowing God. And this is what David was after in his prayers, what we need to be after in our prayers. Not to know all about God, not to know how God did this or how God did that. And so what? We receive it as information. But how does this affect my life? How is God speaking to me? How am I going to order my life according to this? It's the difference between knowing about God, the intellectual knowledge, the head knowledge, versus knowing God personally. That is called faith, the trust in God, that God knows what he's doing, even when I don't. I'm going to trust him. Knowing God versus knowing about God. Head knowledge versus faith. Now, of course, this wasn't the case with David. He, of course, was a great man of faith. And in his prayer, he humbly said, I will walk in your truth. When you see walking spiritually in Scripture, it's talking about one's manner of living, your lifestyle, your day-to-day -day living. Now, I'm going to get a little bit ahead of myself and bring an example up because it seems to fit here. Earlier today... I was listening to our local radio station. There's nothing worth listening to on the radio on Saturdays now that football season's over, by the way. But anyway, our local station's playing country classics. Now, I love classical music. <laughs> that is country classics. Um, you know, I, I really like Johnny Cash and Hank Williams and all this. Well, I had never heard this song before. And tell you the truth, I don't mind if I never hear it again because it's pretty awful. I mean... This guy was so country, he'd make Merle Haggard seem like a city slicker. But anyway, the lyrics were terrible. It says, I'm just a plain old country boy. I raised Cain on Saturday, but I go to church on Sunday. Good advice. You see, we don't have to go to pop music or rock or hip hop to get bad advice in music. But there's some good advice to be found in music too. If it's based on scripture, and David, of course, was a musician. He was a lyricist. He wrote psalms. He played the harp. We, we know all about that. One of my favorite contemporary musicians is, uh, are Keith and Kristen Getty, the modern songwriters. Kristen Getty, some years ago, wrote a hymn to be sung on St. Patrick's Day at the request of her, her pastor. St. Patrick's Day that year fell during Holy Week. And so she, she wrote this hymn using a traditional Irish tune. It's called... What grace is mine? Wonderful, wonderful hymn. It's probably my favorite. The chorus is like this. So I will go wherever he is calling me. I lose my life 
to find my life in Him. I give my all to gain the hope that never dies. I bow my heart, take up my cross, and follow Him. What did Jesus tell His disciples? That in order to come after Him, one must take up His cross and follow Him. But there is another way. Another way we can go. It's not good. As a matter of fact, we go back to that country song I mentioned. There's a way, according to Proverbs 14, 12, a way that seems right to a man. But the result of it, the end of it, is death. In the end, it leads to death. So, okay guys, have you done like I have? Thrown down the roadmap, turn off the navigation app on your phone, ignore the signs, and say, I know a shortcut. I know a better way to get there. Let's, don't, that way doesn't look right. I'm going to go this way. I'm not going to ask if you've ever done that. Have you done that this week? <laughs> uh, it's so easy to do that, I know. I, I'm so proud of myself. Yesterday I went to see somebody and I actually followed the phone app even though it was counterintuitive and it took me right there. So in that case it worked out, but they're not totally reliable. But we do have a navigation aid that is totally, totally, wholly reliable completely, never wrong, doesn't need a satellite connection, doesn't need Wi-Fi, and of course, this is what David used. Uh, in Psalm 119, this is not a psalm of David, it's anonymous, but uh, we, we memorized this verse as a child. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word is the navigation that will never go wrong, never lead you astray. So David prayed, I will walk in your truth, trusting that God would not lead him astray. We also see David's honest confession here, an honest admission on the part of David. And the last line of this segment of this prayer, this prayer that I've chosen to make a, a prayer for my life, unite my heart to fear your name. Some translations say, give me an undivided heart to fear your name. So let's be honest. Our hearts are divided. I mean, do you really, you really think that you have a heart that's 100% devoted to the Lord at all times? Mm. Well, God knows better. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know better as well. Our hearts are divided. We want to walk with Christ, but we get distracted. We get sidetracked. We may even backslide. Uh, we have spiritual ADD, so many of to a greater or lesser degree. And of course, David understood that this happens because he confessed an undivided heart. He uh, rather confessed a divided heart and prayed that God would unite his heart, give him an undivided heart. Jesus recognized this problem. He told his disciples, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he says, I like the King James word, no man can serve God and mammon, <laughs> or God and money as it's translated in more modern terms. James even spoke of a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Yes, this double-mindedness, this divided heart, is something that we all struggle with. There are so many distractions, so many things tugging at our emotions, at our, our priorities, our desires, our, our, our passions. God knows that. He knows it better than we do. He knows all of our sins better than we do. 
<sighs> but he still calls us to agree with him, to confess them to him, even though he knows about them. He wants us to admit them and agree with him, as David has done here, that he had a divided heart and needed God. Is there a solution to it? Well, to use the term that's in the vogue right now, let's circle back. Go back to the first statement. There is a solution. David said, teach me your way, O Lord, that I might walk in your truth. You see, David had the law of Moses to go by. He knew it. As a matter of fact, later on in this psalm, he actually quoted from Exodus 34 verbatim, a very important uh, verse to the to Jewish culture at that time. David had the law of Moses, the Pentateuch, but look at what we have. We have the entire canon of Scripture, uh, Genesis through Revelation. We have it in languages we can understand. We have it in, in English. We have so many good, readable, precise translations, readable versions of it that we can use. We have uh, churches we can come and worship uh, freely as we like. We have radio broadcasts. We have podcasts. We have so many Christian books and all that. We have so many resources that David couldn't have dreamed of. Are we using them? See, God has given us these opportunities to get to know Him and to look to Him and find the guidance that we need from Him. David prayed, teach me your way. We can pray that as well. Teach me your way. And then make use of the resources God has given us. God has given us these, these ordinary means of grace by which we can know Him. We have, well, we have God's Word, of course, preaching it, uh, hearing it preached, uh, reading it, discussing it, meditating on it, memorizing it. We have God's Word. We have the fellowship of the saints. We have the sacraments. We have the very presence of God in prayer. So many resources that we can utilize. And when we do this, something begins to happen to us, something wonderful. And it's something that Pastor Paul preached about two weeks ago. I hope you remember this. If not, it's still available on our YouTube. Go back and look about sanctification. You see, it's a work in progress. David said, I will walk in your, I will walk in your way. I'll walk in your truth. Walking, that's moving progressively. Standing is not walking. Sitting is not walking. Now, Pastor Archie is going to preach today about resting in Christ. Yes, there is a principle of resting in Christ. We're talking about making God's word the guide for our lifestyle. This is a walk, a progression. And hopefully, uh, it is an upward progression. Sanctification is the word we use for this. As we make use of these means of grace, God changes our desires. He changes our affections, our, our passions, our priorities. These changes take place to the extent that we will make use of the resources God has given us to know Him. There's an old story, you've probably heard it before, but since I'm playing preacher today, preachers always use a bunch of old stories, so I won't disappoint you. It's about a, a man who had a couple of bulldogs, and back, that was back in the day when dog fighting was a sport. Uh, yeah, I do not condone dog, dog fighting, don't worry. But he had two dogs, and he would take bets on which dog would win, and he never lost. He always knew which dog would win. And somebody finally asked, how do you know which dog is going to always win? He said, it's the one I feed. So which dog are we feeding in our life? Which portion of our divided heart are we feeding? 
the God portion, the spiritual portion, or the world's portion of it? Let's be honest and think about all the inputs going into the world's portion versus the inputs going into the portion that glorifies God. And we see where our problem lies, not making use of what God has given us, not being a good steward of God's Word. So, here's a good idea. You want guidance? Want to know God's will? We got a good model right here. A humble confession of our weakness, our divided heart, our desire for sinful things, confessing it to God. A humble reliance on God to teach us His ways, using the means of grace He's provided. And then a growing hunger to learn of Him and to apply His precepts in our lives. This is what we ask when we join David in this prayer. Now why not pray it daily? Make it the prayer for your life. Pray it as you read His Word. Pray it as you hear the preaching of His Word. Pray it during the day when we come upon a situation that requires some wisdom. Listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah in closing. Isaiah 55 said this, Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. God is bidding us to come and to hear and to listen. Are we teachable? Will we allow God to teach us His way that we might walk in His truth and grow an undivided heart to fear His name and thus glorify Him in our lives? Let's pray. Oh, Father, we have so far to go. We stray from You so regularly. Our attentions are drawn aside regularly. And Father, we are guilty of seeking help in the wrong places. We're guilty of trying to figure things out for ourselves. Father, You've told us that the way that seems right to a man <laughs> can lead to the way of death. We don't want that. Father, we want to glorify You in our lives. So teach us Your way, Lord, that we might walk in Your truth. Give us undivided hearts to fear Your name. It's in Jesus' name that we ask this. Amen.